Good morning, everyone. I'm Anna Snow, and this is The Greenhouse. Hi, everyone. I'm Breton Ball. A little sick today, but, you know, we wanted to do The Greenhouse anyway. We're powering through. <laughs> Uh, so coming it's not up, COVID, by the way. Yeah, not COVID. Not COVID, Just, so uh, we're powering through. Something's going around ASU, and yeah, I yeah. have been symptoms to it. So many people have. Coming up, um, the Alaska snow crab, the, their numbers are disappearing. Um, we're going to talk about why experts are not surprised that this happened and why people are saying overfishing is to blame. But first, we're going to talk about the holiday season, which is coming right around the corner. And I know it may seem a little early, but it's going to sneak up on you. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how maybe you can be a little more environmentally friendly and things that, you know, with shipping and cardboard boxes and wrapping paper. And I love the holidays, but they are very unsustainable. So we're going to talk about some ways that maybe you can still enjoy your holidays, but be a little bit better to the planet. Exactly. And I'll say I'm a big, like, fan of getting a lot of boxes that ship to my house and then mm -hmm. those boxes remain year-round because they don't all fit into one trash can at once so you're like slowly throwing slowly, them in as yeah. the year goes and yeah. then like by may they're gone but it's I like i give them to my cat he'll just eat them <laughs> so I'm, try I'm trying i'm really trying to figure out a way to like make make use of them mm -hmm. um in some way i think it's good obviously cardboard boxes are more recyclable than plastic cardboard is like a paper product you yeah, know so definitely. it's better than plastic but it's still something. It's still something that has to be created and then go to waste, pretty much. Um, I think the best way to do it is to like save the box. Maybe you break them down, like flatten them, and like save them if you have the space for that. Potentially for if you move or if you're giving a present to someone and you need to put it in a box or something. You know, um, like my birthday's coming up, and my uh, my mom's cousins took me to dinner last night, like early to celebrate. And they had this big box for me. And I was like, what? And it was, they was a bunch of like, they put a couple records and cassettes and stuff in there. But, you know, they were like reusing the box. Like, I think that's, because boxes are pretty handy, you know. Yeah. But it's also so hard when it's like an Amazon box and, a box and like that prime tape is around. I and like that, that white prime tape. That white labels, like, and then you can't even peel it off correctly. It yeah, rips the off the weird way. Yeah, prime tape can like only be removed with like a knife or a box cutter or scissors or something. Yeah. Like, But even like sometimes like when you're peeling it off, half of it stays on anyway, so it look, looks weird. I don't even try peeling off prime tape, but I also, <laughs> I like order from it. Amazon as little as like humanly possible like I don't even remember the last time I ordered from Amazon ah. um, like I think my dad like he has a prime account and he occasionally does but my dad hate I hate Amazon as someone who cares about the environment and knows how awful they are um, my dad hates Amazon because he works for FedEx and apparently Amazon like kind of screwed over FedEx on like some deals like some shipping deals and they are trying to they did some some shady shady <laughs> business, and so my dad's like, "As a FedEx employee," and I'm like, "You know what? We don't always agree, but we both hate the Amazon same idea." Now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason we're talking about Amazon and this whole holiday topic in general is because deals have already started. We're in the middle of October right now, mm -hmm. but Amazon just told us their second Prime Day. Why did they do a second Prime Day? Exactly. The first they had one in July, and this went for two days in a row. They had one in July, and they're gonna do deals for Black Friday. Why did they have a Another I forgot day. about that. Yeah, things get like November is a big yeah, shopping month. It is. I would uh, say November is probably one of the biggest shopping months because Black Friday. But also, I think that's when people really start to think about their Christmas gifts for people. Exactly. During that like weekend, they start like ordering to make sure it comes in time. Yeah. Um, not wanting to be left out, a couple big box stores, Walmart started selling, like offering holiday deals starting mm -hmm. as early as the beginning of October, October first. Yep. And then Target started its like you know 
big discounts on October 6th. So holiday season is here officially. It is here, unfortunately. I thought that we all respected Halloween enough to not do that, <laughs> but apparently not. I was, there my so friend Christmas saw Christmas decorations. decorations at Walmart. I was at CVS and they had out those big, um, you know the popcorn buckets that have like caramel corn oh, and yeah, cheddar? Oh yeah, like yeah. And they always are Christmas Like a bow, yeah. Yeah, they had a ton of those and they were all Christmas. They had more Christmas stuff than they had Halloween stuff. And I'm like, bro, what Halloween happens? hasn't even happened yet. I know. I think it's because Halloween falls on a Monday. Yeah. But people still are going to go out that weekend before, you know. Probably. Um, so the reason we're talking about this too is that is expected that um, consumer spending will be up so much. Uh, four mm-hmm. to 6% in terms of money. Um, and 48% of people are planning on shopping early, um, according to a Gartner mar- marketing survey. Um, Interesting. So a lot of people are going to be buying stuff. Yeah, and I think it's obviously, we love the holidays here. We're not trying to, you know, shoot down the holidays and sound <clears throat> pessimistic or whatever. Um, but it's definitely the way you buy but stuff. But yeah, I think you can still be smart about your consuming. And I can still I still think that over-consuming cons- over is always a problem, you know. And I'll, I'll be honest, I love shopping. Like, I, I, almost sound like a, I almost feel like I sound like a hypocrite. But... There's a part of me that's like, well, you buy vintage and you thrift, so it's fine. <laughs> it's not. But anyway, um, but there is a lot of over-consuming, and I think people, oh, this is so cute, or oh, my God, I love that. I need that. You know what I mean? And I think it's important to think more about what you buy. And even even if you are buying from thrift stores, even if you're buying vintage, it's still important to make sure you want that thing and that it's going to get used. And it's not just going to sit there because then someone else could be using it, you know, like, and so when you're buying gifts, I think it's really important to not just give it because, oh, I need to give them something. So here's this random thing. I think, it, you know, if you think about it a little more, if you put so it's something that they will actually get use out of and not just throw away a few months after they get it. Exactly. And the problem that we found in like what when we were looking to holiday shopping is the mm-hmm. online shipping yeah. is what really big, adds. Big thing. Yeah. Um, and the worst aspect of it it's not the flying or like the long distance Mm -hmm. shipping it's something called last mile delivery Mm -hmm. this is when your product is at like a local warehouse near your city or like in a you know a geographical center spot yes and it has to go on truck from there to the front of your doorstep or wherever you live um and it's it's really difficult for these like big companies because they have like these massive prime trucks and fedex trucks and Mm -hmm. ups trucks and they consume so much gas um, and they have to like stop every so often. Like sometimes they have to they park, get out of the car, drop the box off. Then they drive five houses down and they stop again. Yeah. So it's like that starting and stopping adds to so much you know emissions mm-hmm. in the air. Yeah. Um, I saw say it said fifty three percent of total transportation costs come from that like last mile delivery. It's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, and you think about like. You know, like now currently living in an apartment, you know, the Amazon truck, I see them pretty every single day, you know, they come in and because such a big apartment complex, somebody has ordered something from Amazon that's getting delivered pretty much every single day. Um, But they get out, they just and can they can drop off to all of the apartment at one at a time, at one at a time. Um, They don't have to drive around. But then, you know, I think about I was in I was visiting some uh, people up in Montana over the summer and they, like, live, like, the houses are so spread apart, and they're, like, you have to drive, like, up a dirt hill to even get to their house. And I'm, like, how do you get stuff, how does your mail get here? And, like, they just, they drive up the hill. I'm, like, they drive up this hill <laughs> just for you, like, significantly back just for you? Wow. And, I mean, obviously, they have to if people yeah. are shipping them stuff. 
But I'm just like, man, like, I would I would hate that, to be a delivery driver here. Well, that's the problem. In rural areas, it's, like, so hard to, like, yeah. kind of do it. And these big trucks really, like, mm-hmm. add to it. And I think, you know, like, for their part, the trucks are becoming a lot more cleaner yeah. um, in some way. But it's still a lot of gas. Um, for sure. In a solution, you know, that came out of this, um, people kind of did, like, independent delivery. So, like, mm-hmm. for food during the pandemic, a lot of people turned to Uber and Postmates and Grubhub. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for, like, shipping, people did, like, pick up from stores. Yeah. And then th- those are much more closer than, like, warehouses that can be, like, miles and miles further. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can go to Target and not leave your car and they'll come put your stuff in the trunk. I know. And I think that's a benefit that came out of the pandemic is that, like, mm-hmm. people have the ability to. But, yeah. you know, in this holiday season it could revert back to like pre-pandemic times in where there's going to be a lot of deliveries, a lot of cardboard waste, yeah. a lot of one-day shipping, which is the biggest problem. One-day ship, Like, I understand the convenience, but in my head, I'm like, drive to a store. Yeah. Drive to a store. <laughs> if it's, I mean, so, and sometimes you can't find the thing you need in store, but it's like, go to a store. <laughs> like, and the thing is, I don't even know, like one-day shipping, it's because especially if it's coming from anywhere other than like where you live like the fuel from the planes and stuff like if they weren't shipping every single day i don't think they would need to like fly every single day i mean i'm sure they would but they wouldn't i don't know it just seems exactly like because then a lot of these companies are like big on logistics and like planning the most efficient route they don't necessarily get to do that yeah um one thing like that so a solution why don't you build more warehouses is a big thing that, you know, mm-hmm. they've been trying. And they tried to do this in New York, but they found out that, like, they were building too many warehouses in, like, communities of color and things and places that would be negatively affected by, um, you know. Yeah. And- um, I, so, first of all, Amazon treats their employees so terribly. Like, right. I've known people that work at those warehouses, and, and they hate it. They hate it so much. They don't get breaks. They don't get time off. Like, I knew this person who, to get time to go off, to go home for Christmas break, had to say that they had COVID. Wow. Because that was the only way that he could get any time off. Wow. So. Yeah. And we know this from Amazon. Yeah. And so, and, and that makes me really mad because Jeff Bezos is one of the richest people in the world. He would not be hurting his bank account, Amazon, whatever, would not be hurting if those employees were getting paid better and if those employees were getting treated better if they had you know they don't have unions and every time they've tried to unionize amazon like squishes that immediately um and so it's like yes more warehouses would be better for shipping but i don't know if you could sustain that many warehouses we're getting a phone call um pick it up and hang it up immediately I think it's gone. I think so. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I don't know if enough people will want to work for Amazon under those conditions. Like, I don't know if you can find enough people to have that many warehouses. Yeah. If that makes sense. Exactly. Um, I mean, and there's got there's probably better ways of, like, mm-hmm. doing this. But, like, you know, in other places, building as, as far as possible works. Um, there's this place. Mm-hmm. There's something called sustainable last mile delivery hubs. And, they you know, you place it in, like, geographical, like, good geographical mm-hmm. spots where it's not too far yeah. to deliver. You know, maybe, like, you would put it, you know, like, at the front of a neighborhood so it doesn't have to drive around all of this or, you know, something like that, you know. 
Exactly. Um, there's a very there's one city um, in Sweden. It's called Gothenburg. Um, they're the world's most sustainable city. Um, this is according to the Global Destination Sustainability Index. Um, they want to be fossil fuel free by 2030. Uh, 97% of their transportation runs on renewable energy, and they have lots of you know great like other options um, you know mm-hmm. to be sustainable. Things we've talked about in the past. Yes. But the biggest thing that relates to our episode today is they have these like last mile delivery hubs mm-hmm. and their trucks run on electric fuel. So not only are there no emissions from their truck, trucks and however they deliver it, their mm-hmm. trucks don't have to go really far. And that's good. I found it cool is that they're all self-driving. Oh, um, interesting. So, you know, I've always like for years, I've heard Amazon is trying to like drone delivery. It Now that I'm seeing like how much fossil fuel gets emitted from these trucks mm-hmm. wouldn't be the worst idea. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of like concerns of like other things, and stuff figure out like with safety it, but... and like how good they are. But I don't think drones would use as much as like. Oh no, they wouldn't use yeah. as much as a car. Um, and I, having now read about Gothenburg because you showed it to me and you told me about it, you yeah. know, for this episode. Um, I love a lot of the things that they're doing, but I do think it's important to recognize that they are even as the second biggest city. In um, Sweden. Sweden. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they're only 600,000 people. The second biggest city in the United States is Los Angeles, which is over 4 million people. So, like, I, I, and I think there's so many great things they're doing, and we can take a lot of inspiration from them. But I think there would, a lot of the things they're doing, if we tried to do them here, would have to be so adapted. Because, realistically, America is just a much bigger country with a bigger population, you know. Um, but I love what they're doing, and I think that it's great. Um, and I think more cities, and I honestly, I think maybe like smaller cities towns can adapt. Smaller to this. cities could start adapting that before New York and LA are going to take so much because that's the two biggest cities in the United States would take so much. But maybe you know we have towns and smaller cities that are around the same population as Gothenburg. So maybe in places like that, we could start to implement those things. And maybe eventually they could expand to the bigger cities too. And yeah, basically Gothenburg is like a one-stop shop for everything and everything is walkable. But as yes. we see in the United States, you really need a car to get from place to place because not everything The U.S. is, is a nearby. lot more car-centric and there are some places that are walkable, you know, a lot of people who live in New York City, they can get away with it. L.A., even as big of a city as is, not walkable. Phoenix, where kind we are, of. kind of. I live downtown, so there are things I can walk to, but I can't get to everything I need within walking distance. I do need my car. And even when I was living in the dorms, I would sometimes have to Uber places, you know. So, you know, I think the United States, uh, just infrastructure-wise, is not set up for this, um, and it would take a lot of change. But I think... I think for the most part, we are moving in the right direction, you know, like the city of Phoenix has their climate action plan that they're implementing and stuff like that. So I think that there's, they're trying to do things here for sure. I know, but the U.S. is so rooted in principle that Mm -hmm. it's hard to like change up everything. So we'll see how, like, it'll it'll be something, it'll be a massive undertaking. Yes. And you know, uh, in order to get Gothenburg to, you know, be as green as they are, they had to make a huge investment and they had to, like, tax their citizens above and mm-hmm. beyond to kind of get the funds. And, you know, the citizens were on board. Um, yeah. And being here and seeing how many taxes we already pay, yeah. how much would citizens be on board to pay extra taxes? Totally. And it's just a very different, um, you know, it's a different culture. You know, the way people, Americans think is just different than the way Swedes think and the way that they go about their lives and what they're used to and stuff, you know. Um, Sweden is a lot more of a homogenous country, um, so a lot more of, like, 
almost everyone that lives in Sweden is like Swedish, like ethnically Swedish. You know what I mean? Whereas like United States is, you know, they always talk about it's such a melting pot. There's so many people with so many different beliefs and things. So getting everyone to agree, you know, when there's so many different people here can be a lot. Exactly. And, you know, the last thing that we will say on this topic is, um, you know, 95% of packages are sent in cardboard. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is somewhat recyclable. Yeah. It takes about five to six months to decompose. So, you know, okay. it's stuck in there for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just... Better than plastic, but it's not the best. Exactly. Um, and also a lot of a lot of packages I've noticed recently are shipped in those little bags, those little plastic bags. Yeah, that you like rip and they're like have bubble yeah. wraps. And yeah. the thing is, those are... Those cost less to ship and use less fuel because they weigh less and they are a lot flatter, so you can fit a lot more of them, but then you have plastic. So exactly. it's like a, there's a give and take to both sides of it. Exactly. Um, coming up next, we're going to talk about the Alaska snow crab season and what's happening with that. It's yes. They've completely disappeared. We'll be back. You're listening to The Greenhouse. Welcome back to The Greenhouse. I'm Bretham Bilal. And along I'm Anna Snow. And we're back, and now we're going to talk about... Alaskan snow crabs. Yes. So Alaska Board of Fisheries and the North Pacific Fishery Management Council have said that the snow crab population has fallen. It used to be 8 billion and now it is 1 billion. And that was in 2021, the 1 billion. Yes. So, so it's even smaller now. Exactly. Um, so the whole crab season canceled for snow crabs. Um, yes. And this also comes after a second year in a row of the red king crab season also being canceled. Yes. So a little bit information about um, the snow crab. The snow crab is the most abundant type of crab caught in the Bering Sea kind of species. That's kind mm-hmm. of subsection. Um, but the the drop from 8 billion to 1 billion is a significant amount. Um so currently, all that's left right now are, like, baby snow crabs. Yeah. And they say that could take three to four years for them to mature and, like, kind yeah. of come back. So if you're not familiar with, like, fishing and stuff, oftentimes the species have to be a very specific size for you to keep them. Like, um, and I grew I, you know, growing up in Florida, my, my dad, my brother, my family is big fishing people. Not, like, for company. Like, they're not, that's not for their living. It's yeah. like a, but they always, you know, they eat the things they catch, you know, they're not doing it for no reason. It's catch and release or you eat it. Like, they're not just killing a fish for fun. Right. Um, but, so anyway, but they are very specific laws and rules. So, you can't catch these baby snow crabs. Even if the season had happened, they have to be a specific size. And then there's also like the, a lot of times these big businesses mm-hmm. are kind of like, taking these crabs and you know the bigger the crab obviously the bigger the profit bigger things you can kind of do with the product of the crabs Mm -hmm. Um, it's more crab meat if the crab is bigger there's more meat that's self-explanatory exactly and what's this isn't what from what we've learned is this is not a shocking no development it seems like this has been kind of coming for some time Mm -hmm. so since the 1980s these crabs, both species, and also they're not the only ones. Also, um, Pacific salmon and all these different, um, and halibut as well, have been slowly moving farther out from the coast, um, and also, and on average, of 19 miles farther north since the 80s, which is a significant amount um, because they're looking it for is. colder water. As the water gets warmer, they're going deeper and they're going farther north where it's colder because that is what they're used to. That's you know the the temperatures that they need. Exactly, and as humans have kind of like harmed the environment mm-hmm. and 
through natural like heating processes as well yeah. you know now we're, we're starting to see that we're losing our food and i think like yeah the Alaska Board of Fisheries and like that whole like mm-hmm. canceling the season shows how dire a situation is because what this board does is they govern like who makes a profit, how to fish. This is their like this is the big time of year for them and like canceling the whole season yeah um was like really significant. And I understand, you know, I was, you know, reading an article about this and, you know, there were people like, oh, well, second and third year fishing, like families, like their family business is going to go out. And I understand the concern for your business, especially if it's a family business, you have like personal stake in it. It's not just work. But if you don't let these populations recover, that business is going to be gone forever. Like if these crabs go extinct, you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, If you give them some time to recover, hopefully then you can come back and start the crab fishing up again. Exactly. And, you know, the, a big word that's being thrown around now mm-hmm. is a term called overfishing. Yeah. And what that means is when fisheries take too much of the fish out of mm-hmm. the water and it's a portion where they can't come back yet. Yes. Now, these snow crabs are expected to come back as we just talked about. That's, that's why, you know, they right now it's mostly baby snow crabs. If you give them the time to mature and stuff, like... That's why they're canceling the season because it's like they want to they want to stop the problem before it's like so these crabs are not considered endangered yet or you know um, so stop them from getting to that point before they get there you know it's like they don't want to wait till the last minute and be like oh crap we only have a thousand of these crabs left you know like while there's still one billion and there's still potential for recovery do it now which Ex- I'm really glad to see that exactly yeah. Um... So I, I mean, it's weird, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing with like overfishing that happens is like sometimes when you take, f- you know, any just overall yeah. biodiversity, when you take something out, it has the ability to like affect the ecosystem. Um, totally. <clears throat> one example is, you know, plant eating fish, um, kind of like, you know, they take algae out from the ocean. Yep. Um, they're gone. And then like, you know, the whole ecosystem is thrown in chaos. So I wonder like what will happen with these snow crabs as like they've disappeared more and more. Because there are fish, there are a lot of fish that eat snow crabs, you know, like bigger fish and things is, you know, a lot of, a lot of bigger fish rely on different kinds of crustaceans for their meal. Um, and yeah, so their populations could decline if they're not able to find enough food source. And I think one thing that I guess the big solution everyone was talking about is like fishing sustainably. So like Mm -hmm. we were talking about, like, it's a business's job that like, you know, they have to, you know, try to make as much profit as possible, mm-hmm. but they can't expect to make a huge profit every year mm-hmm. if they're not contributing back in some yeah. way. And, you know, the word sustainable has become such a buzzword for environmentalism and stuff, but the actual, like, definition of the word is, like, able to be sustained and to, to continue. Um, so if you are fishing these crabs so much that they are gone, that's not sustainable in, like, the actual definition. I'm not trying to, you know, just throw that word around because it's, like, they'll be gone. Like, it would be better for your business in the long run to fish them, take less crabs, or take, you know, like this, the season's canceled and potentially another year or two of it being canceled, depending on how the population's looking. Yeah. And then you come back, you know, and then you can can keep having this business for a long time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all about adapting. Like, you know, even in Phoenix and, like, Arizona, farmers are trying to adapt based on, like, the water that they're given. And, like, so instead of, like, you know, trying to force a plant or, like, being unsustainable with the soil, they're switching to, like, plants that reduce 
mm-hmm. their water intake. So I think like yeah. something similar has to be done here. And, and I think that the you know the fish and wildlife and stuff, you know, the Pacific Fishery Management, excuse me, fish and wildlife, <laughs> different thing. Yeah. Um, anyways, they are trying to give them something, and so um, they've announced that there will be a small Bering Sea crab harvest of no more than two million pounds of tanner crab, which is a different species, but they are trying to give them, like, something, like, here's a species of crab that's not nearly as as in critical condition for their population, you know? And, I mean, maybe it might not be as desirable of a crab to eat or to sell, might not, but it, they're trying to give them something while also protecting the environment the and fix the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, so two million seems like a lot, but for context, I saw a New York Times article that said, like, you know, family farms usually catch between 500,000 million pounds, like, wow. of the, like, I guess the unit is, like, million pounds. Mm-hmm. So 500,000 of those pounds. units, yeah, yeah, which is crazy. So, I mean, and also I think the part of the reason that this one is so small is it's one day. It's not like a whole season, you know. It's that's like true. You get this day, get the crab, that's that's what you get. And what's shocking about this, so it starts in the middle of October this season, mm-hmm. and they canceled it like the day of or a day before. Oh, like wow. they tried. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, it starts okay. October 15th They usually. probably... Um, I mean, and I, this is just speculation. This is not like something I read. But probably they were trying to figure something else out to not cancel it. And then the day came and they were like, well, we don't have a better solution. We don't have something that's going to work besides canceling it. You know, I'm I'm sure that they did not want to cancel this. Yeah. Um, but realistically, it was the only thing they could do. And I wonder if this will set precedent for like, you know, other overfished species or overutilized resources, mm-hmm, you know? For sure. Hope. I mean, hopefully, you know, because, I mean, obviously I'm vegetarian. I don't eat it. But no one in my family is vegetarian. I'm used to being around meat and seafood and stuff. Like, I I try really not to, like, hate on it or to be, like, I'm better, you know. Like, I I don't want to be pretentious about it. But, you know, realistically, if you want to continue to eat it, it has to still be there. So. Exactly, yeah. Um, So we'll see. We'll be keeping our tabs on, like, how that this next, you know, day goes for those new crabs. Thanks for joining us on The Greenhouse. Today we discussed um, how the holiday season could affect your shipping. Yes, and we talked about the Alaskan snow crabs and their season being canceled and how hopefully the population can bounce back. I'm Anna Snow. And I'm Breth Tune in next week to hear about all things planet Earth. See you later.